start off talking the Chicago Bears as per usual. After we talk about the Chicago Bears, we're going to go into a rundown of the games this past weekend. This was one of the best weekends in football this season. Um, I think we had some great games, so we got a really good slate for you guys uh, for that whole second half of the episode. But first, let's go back to the Chicago Bears. Thursday night, a real barn burner of a game against the Carolina Panthers. A doozy. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, In a game that didn't really have a lot of great things going on, what was one bright spot to you about the Chicago Bears team? It was was kind of a clean performance from their offense. No turnovers and no sacks allowed. There's two former offensive linemen. Hey, they didn't have Brian Burns, but we'll take it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I was happy with how the old line played. I mean, they they ran the ball decently well. Yeah, it was only under four yards carry, but still 133 yards against – Solid interior with, you know, Shai Tuttle and Derek Brown and uh, Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu, all those guys. I love the no turnovers. That was awesome. We haven't had a game where we had no turnovers and no sacks in, like, 20-something years. It's from, like, 1994, I think. So that's impressive. Um, Tyson Bajan really didn't win us the game. He just didn't lose us the game. Mm-hmm. But for a rookie, I'll take it. He outperformed the number one overall pick by a wide margin. Uh, Bryce Young looked like a 14-year-old quarterback out there for the freshman A team <laughs> at Addison Trail. <laughs> not not good. Uh, I I would like to see to get the ball to DJ Moore a little more. He had DiCaprio Boodle guarding him. I'm not exaggerating. That's an actual <laughs> guy. His name is DiCaprio Boodle. <laughs> Where did this man go to college? Nebraska. <laughs> I'm not DiCaprio Boodle. That's the best name that I've is ever crazy. heard. That's not a real person. So yeah, he only had five, uh, five catches for 58 yards, but at least Komet got involved. Tyler Scott had two big plays for 15 yards, and then we did have three sacks. Justin Jones, much maligned, like- <laughs> shut me up for another week. <laughs> Uh, Ngakwe, who has been our worst defensive lineman in terms, in terms of pro football focus, he had a sack, and Rasheem Green. Uh, but the, I'd say to me the biggest and best takeaway out of this game is Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. He was worth that $94 million we gave him on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't have a sack, but he had eight quarterback pressures. He had like six quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. Like That was the most dominant non-sack performance I've ever seen. And this, this is coming from a guy that when the Bears traded for him, everybody was saying that he's a really good run-stuff defensive end. And I was excited to see that because the Bears' run defense hasn't been exactly the greatest over the past three seasons. This year, um, though, better. But yeah, he's going to make it better. way better yeah. now. So I was I was happy to see that. What I wasn't expecting was this kind of production on the pass level for him only because the rest of the team is who they are. You know, for a good pass rusher, a lot of the time you need somebody else on that other side to help you out. And I think for Montez Sweat, that wasn't really the case. So I was kind of expecting him just to come in and play the season well, but not great. And so far through the two games, he's looked really, really, really good. I'm really happy with what we're getting from that. Um, I'm also happy with what you said before with Yannick Ngakwe getting a sack because even though Montez Sweat may not be getting that extra benefit from the defense, a guy like Yannick Ngakwe gets that extra benefit from a guy yeah. like Montez Sweat on the other side. Um, and I I think if you get him going, 
there's at least five more stacks, stacks this season waiting for Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. He's got a lot in that tank, and I think when you give him somebody opposite of him that can take away some of that attention, it helps out a guy like that. And now that you got the edges winning, the quarterback has to step up. A guy like Justin Jones then becomes a better pass rusher. Or our two defensive uh Two rookie defensive tackles that we yeah, had. Yeah, Ron Dexter had one of his best games of the season. Like to see that. Mm-hmm. Pickens had a solo tackle, you know, and a QB hit as well. Uh, Gervon, I think he's learning. He's playing better. Billings is coaching him up. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's definitely learning a lot from Billings. So that's because I think Gervon can actually be special mm-hmm. just with his size and athleticism. Then the young guys in the secondary, Kyler Gordon looked like Mike Singletary. Mm-hmm. He had like he had three tackles for a loss. They were like three, four yards in the backfield. It was brilliant. Brisker, I love him. He plays with a death wish, but he had a wonderful game. He just needs to not use his head so much. Uh, then, you know, I love seeing Jack Sanborn back in his natural mic. Uh-huh. Another seven tackles. Delightful. But this is a decent win. We'll take it. Win's been very hard to come by in the Eberflus era, <laughs> so we'll take it. Um, the only problem with the Bears is, as what you were probably just about to say, is their upcoming schedule. Mm-hmm. Suddenly very daunting. They have two of the next three games are the Lions. And sandwiched in the middle of that is the Vikings with the new Josh Dobbs offense in Minnesota. Revitalized. We'll talk about them a little bit yeah, later. Followed by the Browns. Followed by the reinvigorated Cardinals with Kyler Murray. The Falcons and the ever so daunting Packers. What what's your prediction for our record going into that schedule? It's not looking good. Like I really don't see us beating the Lions. Like I really can't. Because not only are they just beat us physically, their coaches are going to out scheme. I will talk about the offensive scheming, how they do things. They're gonna out coach us by a mile. Dan Campbell and uh, Ben Johnson and even Aaron Glenn are going to run laps around our coaches. So I think we're going to lose both the Lions games. I have a sneaky feeling we beat the Vikings. We're not We're not beating the Browns. I think the Browns might hold us to negative points yes. uh, based on how good their yes. defense is. <laughs> I think we can beat the Cardinals and Falcons, and then we'll lose to the Packers. So we'll, we'll finish 6-11. and 11. Mm-hmm. Um. Going with that and kind of looking at the future of this team, so far this season, TJ Edwards is one of the league leaders in tackles. He's uh, up. He's uh, So through 10 games in the season, he's the fastest to 110 tackles out of any Chicago Bears player ever. That's Brian Erlacher, Mike Singletary, Lance Briggs, any of those guys. He's reached that faster. Moving forward in the season as the defense keeps getting better, how impactful is is TJ Edwards actually to this defense? Or is a lot of that just counting stats that sh- we shouldn't be paying attention to as Bears fans? I mean, I will say he's impactful. You get 10 plus tackles a game, that's impact, making an impact. But some of it, as you've said all year, is due to his bad coverage. He's not like a Fred Warner where he's actually making an impact. He's making a small impact. But I'll take him over the majority of linebackers at this point. I think we should appreciate him, but I don't know. He's kind of a polarizing player. I mean, our run defense has been fantastic this year. It's not because of our D-line. 
Our linebackers are putting in work in the run game. And I bet if we did have a better pass rush, our linebackers would be better in pass coverage. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say that he's had a very good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, w- with TJ Edwards, and like like you had mentioned, I've been harboring on him on his uh, pass protection all season. And it's it's tough to watch him in that in that pass game because he just is always like three steps behind guys. And he gets a lot of those tackles because he's three steps behind guys. And he chases them down. But also to your point, the run defense is not what it is without him. You know, he he what you had mentioned with Jaquan Brisker earlier and with Kyler Gordon is he just plays. He just plays hard. He's going to be flying around the field. And a lot of the times that may put him in a bad position. I think it's a little too late in his career to really fix that that issue that he has in the pass game. But if they can keep pushing him towards just being a downhill guy, stopping the run, we have guys like Jack Sanborn, like you had mentioned earlier, who do have room to improve. We have Noah Sewell, who has room to improve in that position in what he la- in what TJ Edwards lacks in his ability to play the game. And I, I wouldn't be too worried about it, but I also think that both <coughs> the NFL, the Chicago Bears, Bleacher Report all posted this stat about TJ Edwards. And what I get worried about with that is that he's going to get exposed even more now just because people are going to be watching him at a higher level. I think people are paying attention to him now, now that he's kind of got this national recognition of 110 tackles through 10 weeks. Um, And I think because of that, coaches are also going to scheme that more because now they're paying attention to that more. They already knew he wasn't a great, uh, great in the past, but with him on that bigger national stage, that leads to his weaknesses getting exposed in a broader, broader range. And I think that can hurt him a little bit in the long run and the bears a little bit in the wrong long run. But if we can develop a lot of those younger guys, it won't matter. The problem is, is we need to develop those younger guys. And right now, a lot of those young guys haven't really gotten an opportunity this season. What I would like to see is those guys get more of a chance and show that they can pick up where he is lacking or where some of these other guys are lacking. I would love to see Noah Sewell out there I would love a lot it. more. Yeah, A lot more. I think he's extremely talented, and I think he has the ability to play at a high level and be a high-level linebacker in this league because, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think it's hard to be a high-level linebacker in this league. I think there's a lot of guys like TJ Edwards who can get a lot of tackles and have their name up there. So as long as you can get tackles and then you add in a little bit of pass coverage, you could be one of the best linebackers in the league. And these young guys have the ability to do that, so I'd like to see them get a little more of a shot. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and I'd also like, in terms of young guys, I'd like our secondary guys to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Kyler Gordon is starting to figure it out. At least tackling-wise, run game-wise, he looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's the best I've ever seen him. Brisker, he's a dog. We've established that. He's, he just gets concussions every other week. He can't do that. I'd like to see him finish out the season as well. I'd like to see Terrell Smith get back onto the field. Strowman, I know we just kind of cut him on the practice squad, but he looked fantastic mm-hmm. when he was playing earlier. That one game he had, he was one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, so I would like to see less of Elijah Hicks. He has not performed well this year. Uh, up front, I, just, I still want to see growth out of Pickens and Gervon. I want to see a sack out of one of those two this week. I would really like to see that. Um. I mean, if we keep getting that pressure from Montez Sweat, I see that happening. That I want, I want Ngakwe to. We paid him ten mil. I want you to go. You're. We brought you in to get sacks. Mm-hmm. You're a sack master, as they call him. Mm-hmm. 
You're a pass rusher. That's what you've been your whole career. You're eight to ten to twelve sack uh, per season guy. I want to go see him make some plays as well. Can't just have Sweat doing everything. Also, that they'll just double team him. So, but I like how the defense is played. They've played well the last six weeks. Run defense is top five. Now, if we just get that pass rush going, we could be a borderline elite defense. Mm-hmm. The the one other gripe I have with this defense is that. They just don't get turnovers. Yeah. So they play well, but they don't force turnovers. They don't. They don't make any splash plays that can change the momentum of a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No strip sacks. There's no barely any sacks. There's barely any sacks in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they they need to work on that. I mean, if if they get more pressure, pressure creates takeaways. That's the number one way to get to get a takeaways. You flush to the quarterback. You tip the ball. You strip sack. They just need more pressure. They have. Every, they're doing all the the non sexy stuff. They're stopping the run. They're playing good sound coverage. They're just not doing like the splashy, sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and for a defense to truly be good, you need that. You know, sitting at a negative nine turnover differential, which is worse, the worst in the league, is not going to win you games, even if your defense is still extremely solid like it is. And with how much they are on defense this season, you know, they're – the Bears' defense is basically on the field like 80% of the game, it feels like. Yeah. The offense is going four and out like every other drive. Um, For how much they're on the field, you would expect they have more turnovers. And I, I hope to see that as we continue through the season. And this was a perfect game against the Panthers, a team with an extremely young quarterback, an offensive line that's really young and not good, like really not good. Yeah, this whole offense is terrible. They need to fire Frank Wright. They got to rebuild the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Other than Ike McWanu and like maybe like Jonathan Mingo, Chuba, mm-hmm. there's no one on this offense that's worth keeping around. Well, and like even a guy like Chuba, I'm not, I'm not really sold on him yeah. after the season either. He's just a guy. Okay, he's still on his rookie deal, so let's just keep him. Mm-hmm. And moving on to the Panthers here, is there anything to really like about this team so far this season? Nope. <laughs> It really isn't. Like I thought, I thought they were going to be much better. But they're terrible. I feel bad for Bryce Young because everyone's like, "Yeah, he's not been good," but it is not all his fault. He's off to a better start than Trevor Lawrence has. It's just he's a guy that needs players around him. He's five ten, hundred and ninety pounds. I don't even think he's been through puberty when you hear him <laughs> talk. He's not. He's not a guy that can carry a team with nothing around him. Make chicken salad at chicken you know what coaching has when the offensive line is not good they're bad we dominated them up front he has no his best receiver is 33 year old adam thielen no tight end really hayden hurst and he's always hurt tommy tremble is hurt half the time too and he's just never really developed to what people thought he could be yeah there's just nothing you can that they're good at really they can't run the ball either mm-hmm then he really doesn't have a lot of arm talent. Like, he's smart. He knows where to put it, and he can put it there. But if he's, like, pressured or it's just like – look, at he had 17 incompletions. He was 21 out of 38 against us. All those throws, it's just like there's nowhere near the receiver. Like, that was a little worrisome to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to blame it all on him. It's everything around him mostly. Uh, 
and I, I'd completely agree. I wouldn't put all of this on him. Now, there is kind of this world, though, in my mind where I think, you know, maybe he should still be better than this, though. He should. He's yes. he's the first overall pick. Before this year and, like, going into last year's college season, there was some, there was some belief that he could be a generational talent at quarterback. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And it just hasn't hasn't shown like that so far. I now, just want to see some plays where I see that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a single play in that game where I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, okay, eight-yard hitch, nice. First down, cool. Mm-hmm. You got it there. There was nothing that made me go, wow. Yeah. And and when I watch him, though, and t- to your point, where there's still stuff that are that is looking good about him and that really the issue is is that there's nothing around him, I think about it like a Tua situation is happening. Here. He's they're exactly like Tua. Both Bama quarterbacks. To your point, they both didn't really have great arm talent, but they're both very smart and have good football IQ. You can work with that. You you've seen what Tua has been able to do this season, and he's again, more talented than Tua too. Yeah, by far. I I completely agree. So you give him some kind of help on that offense, and then that kind of goes with the whole DJ Moore trade to me for them. Looking back on it now, that was not a good trade. Same with the McCaffrey trade. Neither one of the, if you knew you were going to be bad last season, you knew you wanted that first overall pick. And you knew you wanted a new quarterback. And they, they had to have known that going into the season last year. They had to have. You know you want all these changes on that offense. Why would you not keep players that can help him? Yeah. Why would you throw him into this situation knowing full well that you are going to need a young quarterback? Those guys need help. It's a crazy concept, I know. <laughs> but yeah. at one point, you gotta you got to learn. How much of this past uh disappointment for the Carolina Panthers this season past couple seasons how much of that would you put on David Tepper I put a lot of it I mean he gave Matt Rule a seven-year contract (laughs) what do you think was gonna happen this dude had one good season at Baylor like if you're gonna hire a college coach and take it's got to be like Jim Harbaugh or like Nick Kirby Smart Mm -hmm. legendary not a guy who like went 10-2 Ten and two one year, and you're like, oh, he's a genius. <laughs> I'd put a lot of it on him. I mean, he's hiring all these guys. He hired the GM. He hired this. Like, I'd put a lot of it on him. Mm-hmm. He didn't, they didn't have these issues under Jerry Richardson. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking through Twitter and after this game, a lot of the issues for Panthers fans come down to David Tepper and the way that he's run this team so far. <sighs> This Panthers team wasn't a bad team when he took over. It, it was a team that had promise that was coming off of years of success Oh yeah. at that point. In a tough division, too, during that time. Very tough. The NFC South was one of the best. Drew Brees, he had the Matt Ryan Falcons. The Jameis Bucks weren't the best, but they were always but you know a tough play. They were a fun team, if yeah. anything. Very fun. You know, Jameis throwing for 30 and 30 <laughs> is pretty crazy. Beast. But... When you, when you look at the way the division is now, and the NFC South is now one of the worst divisions, a team like this Panthers team shouldn't be as bad as they They are. should at least be competing. Going into the season, I thought they were going to. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the way the ownership and the leadership are on this team. And I get a lot of glimpses of that with the Chicago Bears. If you are the Panthers... 
what would be your next move going into this offseason? I'm getting Bryce Young a number one wide receiver. Or I'm going to die trying. <laughs> where, where are you looking for that number one receiver? See if Devontae wants to get out of uh, Las Vegas. I'm going to try. They don't have a first-round pick, so you're going to have to pick one with your second round. Um, free agency, if there's one available. I'm not quite sure who's available this free agency, but it's more so a conversation for later. But I'm I'm doing that, and I'm upgrading the offensive line. That's what I'm doing. Maybe getting a new coach. Because Frank Wright, I mean, it just does not look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing comes on the head coach. Now, looking at the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers, who makes a coaching change first? Probably the Panthers, because I see David Tepper being – he he's not very patient. He wants everything right now. That's why he fi- immediately fired Ron Rivera. He made all these herky-jerky trades. I mean, just the whole quarterback situation since he's been there. Cuts Cam. Okay, then he signs Teddy Bridgewater. Doesn't eat Teddy played fine that year. Then they go trade for Sam Darnold. And then they trade for Baker Mayfield. And then they go back to Cam Newton. Oh, sorry, they went to Cam Newton first. Then they got Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's like he didn't give any of these guys even a chance to like really play. And if we're being honest, besides Cam Newton, none of them really played bad when they were there either. Darnold was balling last year towards mm-hmm. the end. And Mayfield had some he did have some negative moments, but he also had good moments on that team. You know, like to your point, Teddy Bridgewater does his thing and is a bridge quarterback wherever he goes and plays decently well. You you have to at one point and again, being a Bears fan, this is kind of, you know, opposite of what we've been saying where they need to fire everybody and stop giving people chances. Yeah. Is you have to slow down and give somebody a chance. Anybody. Yeah. I it's you're gonna have bad seasons. That's life. Bad thing, life goes up and down. Same with football. It's going to go up and down. You're not always going to be good. The Patriots had a really long time of bad before they were one of the best franchises in the history of sports. Yeah. Now they're going bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you have to accept that, and you can't just try to fight your way back to the that top. And you're trading draft capital every year to acquire a new quarterback that you're just going to quit on after a mm-hmm. year. Um which I really hope doesn't happen with Bryce Young. I think there's talent there. I think there's something. I, yeah, they're not. They're giving him at least one more year. In, in parallel to the Chicago Bears, there was something there with Mitch Trubisky when we had him. Yeah. And they they threw it down the hole. They so did. hopefully hopefully the Panthers don't do the same thing with Bryce Young. One more question I have with this game: Why do these teams keep getting primetime games? Why did these teams get so many primetime games? I don't know. I mean, the Bears had one what two weeks ago against the Chargers. They had one against the Commanders. Uh, they had two Game of the Weeks <laughs> on the Sunday, which I don't understand. <laughs> the Panthers had what they had the one against the Saints Week 2. Mm-hmm. I think this was their third one of the season. It was just terrible planning. <laughs> Going into the season, what what do you think that league saw that either of these teams could have been entertaining? It, they saw that... Going into this year, each team had a 25% chance to win the NFC South. So they saw number one overall pick, young team, could be decent. The Bears were projected. Everyone thought every, every narrative was shaping like, oh, this could be our year. 
That didn't happen. So they thought they were going to be two good young teams, two good young African-American quarterbacks, and the league was just going <laughs> over that. That's what they thought was going to happen, but they didn't happen. Uh-huh. Um, in the past couple of years, we've seen the league flex games like this out. Why, why aren't they doing that this year? It happened more so last year because of the fan experience. Because you buy a game knowing it's going to be a Thursday, then they move it to a Sunday, and it's kind of bad for the fans, mm-hmm. which I understand. Because mm-hmm. they have like a whole voting thing on that with the owners, and I guess they passed, hey, you can't really do it under a certain amount of time. Plus, they wanted the Chicago market for Thursday night. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, It's a business. If it were me, going into the season, I understand giving teams chances on, on prime time. But there was there was a shot that this Bears team was not going to be good. Yeah. When you really looked at their roster, yeah, I was you, just being very very optimistic. Exactly, I think everybody was being very optimistic. I was like, okay, Tevin got hurt to start the season. Our line's going to be bad now. And the Braxton got hurt. Our D line, <laughs> our D line is still very 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 questionable. And we have Loot Getzey and Matt Eberflus at the helm, so this could go bad very quickly. Which which it has so yes. far, in, in my opinion. Yes. Um. Let Let's move on to our next game. We wanted to talk about the Browns versus the Ravens as our next best, or probably our best game of the week, as the Browns come back from a huge deficit to defeat the Ravens. This was not a great game from Lamar Jackson. What What are the real odds to you that a guy like that wins the MVP? He's been up in the rankings the past whole season in the top three top four what does this game prove to you i mean this is a game where you're up 14 points at home then you go out you throw a pick six you throw another interception and the the ravens at this point are almost as bad as the falcons were at blowing leads (laughs) last two years they've blown a lot of 10 point leads 10 plus point leads it's getting very bad I mean, the Ravens, to me, they need to stick with their identity. They need to run the ball. They only ran it 24 times. Keaton Mitchell at 3 for 34, 11 yards a carry, only had three carries. And Lamar needs to play better. I mean, he can't be throwing multiple interceptions in games like this. Something about the Ravens is like, if Lamar doesn't show up, the whole team just said, yeah, I'm not going to show up. I mean, the defense that, that has been playing very well, they allowed 180 rushing yards. Deshaun Watson, who looked absolutely terrible in the first half, was literally perfect in the second half. He didn't have a single incompletion. He had a touchdown pass. He had like 30-some yards rushing. There was a lot of plays where it looked like old Deshaun Watson. which That makes the, the potential of this Cleveland team so high. But he could just never do that consistently. To me, I don't, I don't think Lamar is going to win the MVP just because you look at their schedule, they have an absolute brutal schedule. They play the Steelers again, which he is that's his ultimate kryptonite. <laughs> uh the 49ers have a good defense. You know, Dolphins at times have a good defense. Bengals, night game, Thursday night, that's gonna be a tough game. Mm-hmm. It's Joe Burrow and the gang. A lot of lot of tough teams, but I don't think he's gonna win the MVP just because he has, when you really look at it, he doesn't have the stats. Mm-hmm. He's got only got 10 uh, passing touchdowns. He's got five picks. He's got five fumbles. Not as efficient running the ball this year. He really doesn't have that great statistics. He's only around 200 yards a game passing. 
He just doesn't have it this year in terms of stats to be an MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if this was 15 years ago, he'd, he'd be the by far yeah. favorite for MVP yeah. <laughs> just based on those stats that the Ravens are doing. Uh, kind of going back to your point about how the Ravens, they're their biggest enemy. They're their biggest They weakness. really are. In this game, the Ravens trailed the Cleveland Browns for exactly zero seconds. Zero minutes, zero seconds, yep. and they lost the game. And they were they were winning for 59 minutes and 20 seconds. Through 10 games, the Baltimore Ravens have trailed their opponents for less than 30 minutes. 30 minutes through 10 games, and they have lost three of those games. Yeah. If the Raven, what is the Ravens' ceiling and what is their floor with themselves being the biggest Their enemy? ceiling is a Super Bowl contender. Maybe AFC title game, Super Bowl team. Their floor is first round exit. Because mm-hmm. they cannot finish. They're terrible at finishing. My opinion, they don't have the passing game to just go get a first down when they need a first down. That, and then they'll forget the defense will, they always, when things start to go wrong, their pass defense is terrible. For whatever reason, I don't know why. They have the front seven that can go against anybody. Their back end just can't do it at times where they need them to. They start turning it over, and they don't run the ball enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you look at everything stat-wise for the Baltimore Ravens, everything that's on paper, you would say this team is by far the best team in the league. Their offense is one of the best in the league. They're averaging, or they have uh, 27 points per game right now, which is yeah, fifth they, best. They the run league. the ball fantastically. Wait, even when they're not running the ball, they run the ball fantastically. Yeah. Keaton Mitchell had three carries this game and still ran for 37 yards on a touchdown. Yeah. that That's absurd. And then they just shoot themselves in the foot every week. Speaking of Keaton Mitchell, again, he only got three carries this week. Although it was a lot of yards, he only got three carries. Why why don't they give this kid more of a shot? He's a rookie, and they like Gus Edwards for whatever reason. They think he's like a fantastic back, nice 2.2 yards per carry. I don't know. I've always been high on Keaton Mitchell. I remember watching him at Eastern Carolina. He was a beast. He was kind of like one of my uncut gems that could be good. Him and he had a teammate, Charles uh, Charles Johnson, that was a seventh-round pick. I can't remember who, but he really hasn't done anything this year. But I've always liked this guy. He had nine carries, 138 yards the game before, and a touchdown. He, right now in the season, he's averaging 12 for 172, so 14 yards a carry, which is basically like a receiver with like yards per catch, but with a carry and two touchdowns. They lost J.K. Dobbins. I think this is the guy you should really lean on, in my opinion. Yeah. But that, and it's just like we we need to give the Browns credit. Browns got a top five defense. At times, when he wants to or when he's, I don't know, loose and massaged up, a top 10 quarterback with a dominant run game. Yeah, 178 yards rushing, five yards to carry against a very good run defense. You know, Mark Cooper at 98 yards, and Joku, who had that facial injury, is now starting to get back into it. Elijah Moore has stepped up. I mean, their defense, I mean, three sacks against a good offensive line. They had two picks. I mean, it's really impressive they won this game because Sean Watson had six at 20 for 79 yards and a pick six in the first half. They muffed a punt. In their own territory, on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, and they still won this game. So they, re- they really did not play a clean game at all. And they still won. They missed the extra point as well. 
what does that say to you about the legitimacy of this Cleveland Browns team that they didn't play nearly as well as they could have and they still won this game? They're legitimate. They're a real deal. This game, before the game, the statisticians said if they lose this game, they got a 41% chance to make the playoffs. If they win, they got a 73% chance. So now they have this was an ultimate kind of gut check. Are you legit or not? Best team in the division, division leader on the road. Are you going to win this game or are you going to get blown out like you did four or five weeks ago? And they, they stepped up to the plate. Mm-hmm. You can say this and that about the Baltimore Ravens, but they stepped up. They ran the ball all game. Sean Watson stepped up in the second half, about time. And they made the clutch kicks when they needed to, and the defense got the stops and the takeaways when they needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at this Cleveland defense, I they're the best defense in the league. I don't think anybody even comes close. I'm I'm set on that at this point. We've been saying it for a couple weeks now that they could be one of the best defenses in the league. I am firmly saying that they are the best defense in the league. They're the only defense in the league to give up less than 2,000 yards so far this season. That's insane in this modern era of offense. Teams are giving up like 500 yards a game, and that's like normal. Yeah. So for them to be able to do that is absurd. Miles Garrett gets another one and a half sacks this game. He's looking phenomenal. Everybody on their team just looks like they want to play. That was the biggest thing about this win is that they never once gave up. These guys were playing at 100 miles per hour 100% of the game, and they won because of that. And that I think that says a lot about Stefanski as their head coach. He's a solid coach. I think he's he's proving himself to be one of the better coaches of the league in a time where, you know, I think a lot of people were questioning whether he was going to be able to keep his job going forward in this mm-hmm. season even. At the end of the season, it was going to be this was going to be a do or die season for Kevin Stefanski. I think he's proving he can do it. He can. Especially um, when he just leans on the run game. Mm-hmm. If he did that against the Seahawks, they would have won that game instead of putting the hands instead of putting the game in the hands of PJ Walker. <laughs> they run it on third and three instead of him throwing a pick. They win that game. Mm-hmm. They run the clock out. Mm-hmm. He continues to do that. He dials up some good, you know, play action passes, some rollouts with Deshaun. No one has really separated themselves in the AFC. Chiefs are coming off, you know, a bad loss against the Denver Broncos, and if he win against the the uh, Dolphins, the Dolphins are pretenders. Yeah, the whole AFC East is. Pretenders, <laughs> like the, the bills are the bills. Are, bills are poverty. <laughs> um, God's tastiest baby in front of God's hungriest people just got his offense coordinator fired. We'll talk about that. They don't have a running back. There's no reason why they can't be the best team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Bengals aren't what they used to be. Steelers, this this computer mouse that I have in my hand, <laughs> has the same amount of offensive ability as Kenny Pickett. <laughs> So there's that. And they have Matt Canada as their coach. So there's no reason why they can't make some noise in the AFC. Maybe this numerology guy is right and it's going to be a Brown Super Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> um, looking at this Browns, and you had mentioned their run game a lot so far during this segment. Jerome Ford, 17 carries, 107 yards. Uh, no touchdown, but 107 yards on Six yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you put... Uh, that on this Browns offensive line, how much would you say is Jerome Ford? And do you think this team is better it, with, like, how much better is this team with Nick Chubb if he were there? They'll always be better with Nick. Nick Chubb's a, like, everyone likes to talk about the Saquons mm-hmm. and the CMCs of the world, the Derrick, but if Nick Chubb just talked, <laughs> he would be the number one, everyone would, 
he's a running back. Like when God made a running back position, he made Nick Chubb. <laughs> he is a running back. He is a freak. He's freakier than Saquon and Derrick Henry. So they're always going to be better with him. That's a guy that can carry your team. But I think Ford's solid. I think he's a good player. I think he's he was good at University of Cincinnati. He was an Alabama transfer. You know, he helped lead them to the undefeated season playoff appearance against Bama. Bryce Young's Bama. Um, you know, they got Kareem Hunt. He's still got some juice left in the tank. Still, you know, elusive physical runner. But it's this offensive line. Wyatt Teller is having an awesome season. Joel Batonio is one of the best guards in the league. This was also impressive because they were basically down both their tackles. Mm-hmm. DeWan Jones was out. He's having a fantastic rookie year. Replaced Jack Conklin. And then you have uh, you have James Hudson playing tackle for Jedrick Wills. Which he came in. He was uh, their highest rated offensive lineman this week. Actually. Yeah, he's had a rough career so far. So mm-hmm. he's getting better as well. This is all on the offensive line. That's what makes this team go. That's what it's been the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. When they made it to the playoffs in 2020, won a playoff game, it's because of the offensive line. That's what made that team go. Yeah, Baker made No, it was the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Even when they were one of the worst teams anybody has ever seen, the only bright spot was ever that offensive, offensive line. Offensive line, yeah. This team knows how to build offensive lines. And I think if you know how to build an offensive line, there's success coming for you in the future. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that success and all of that. Now, this year, they have a, they have a defensive line. Because mm-hmm. Miles Garrett's having an all-pro year. And they got all these different D-tackles, like the Maurice Hursts of the world. He, he has he, he had a great game the week before. Oh, that's, sorry, I picked the wrong. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Like a Shelby Harris, mm-hmm. Dalvin Tomlinson. Here's the guy I was looking for. He's got three sacks. Shelby Harris has a, you know, a second half, forced fumble as well. All these guys that they found are just contributing. They have all these hybrid linebacker safety guys like the Owosu Koromoras of the world, the Grant Delpits of the world, Juan Thornhill, who was, you know, a very important player on the first Chiefs Super Bowl team. They just, they they finally built that defense up. Mm-hmm. You know, they got Greg Newsome and Denzel Ward, two first-round picks at corner. Both very good players. Grant Delpit's finally having his breakout season. Yeah, Zadarius Smith, very good offseason acquisition. They found, they figured it out, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what this Browns team can do. The, the only thing that I think is holding them back is the fact that they're in this AFC North, which is just a dogfight of a division this yeah. year. And hey, th- this win. They win this week. Hey, the Ravens and the Bengals play each other this week, so one of those teams is taking an L. Mm-hmm. The Bengals take an L, they might be done. They'll be five and five. Yeah. If the Browns beat the Steelers, just pretty you know, likely they're at home. As long as Deshaun doesn't have two touchdowns taken back on him like last time, they'll be first in their division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what we'll see what they can do. Let's hop on over to our next game. We have the Detroit Lions defeating the Los Angeles Chargers in a 41-38 actual shootout. Not like the Bears-Panthers, a real shootout. A real ball game. <laughs> um, This was another tough game for the Los Angeles Chargers late, but not for the reason I think people were thinking. This was one of Justin Herbert's best performances in a clutch time game. He led, kept leading them on touchdown drives. The only problem was that the Lions kept answering. 
That's why Lions went for it on fourth and two because um, Dan Campbell, you before the first Vikings game, he just kicked the field goal instead of going for it. And he's like, I knew that was a game the last team had the ball was going to win. That's what he felt. He did it, and he was right. I mean, I was feeling good about the Bears after that. <laughs> I was like, you know, we got good run defense. I know Detroit likes to run the ball. And I saw what they did against the Chargers, and I was like, yeah, we're not stopping that. <laughs> like, not only do they have one of the best, of, arguably probably the second best offensive line in the league, who's extremely physical and was on every single play you watch that game, they are blowing back the Los Angeles Chargers' whole entire defensive line three yards down the field at least every time. So not only can they beat you physically, their coaches are going to outcoach you by a mile. The way how they were scheming up their runs in that game was just beautiful. They bring in three wide receivers. Okay, we think they're going to um, pass it. They condense the formation. They come out and they just run it. And then they bring out like two, three tight ends, like you know Laporta and like Brock Wright. And look, okay, obvious run. They're throwing a thirty-yard pass to Brock Wright. Mm-hmm. Like, they scheme all with their formations and their motions, especially with Amon Ra. They scheme everything up perfectly. And then, like, they they really, looking back at it, they were right about how they handled the running back situation. You get thunder and lightning, basically, with Jameer Gibbs, who's been electric when he has the ball this year. Then you got David Montgomery, who just wants to run through your face. <laughs> 75-yard touchdown, but just a tank of a player. I mean... How are you going to stop that? Mm-hmm. David Montgomery can take the 30 carries a game and just pound you, pound you, pound you, pound you until you break like he did against the Packers. And then you toss out to Jameer, and he's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. He's athletic. He can move. He's fast. He's a darn near slot receiver at running back. And then you put a top three offense line in front of them, and it's over. And We need to start having a dialogue <laughs> about Amonara St. Brown. Now, he was drafted in the Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith draft. He has more catches than all of them. Mm-hmm. It's time we need to start talking about him in the top 10, top 5 discussion. He's outproducing all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at him this year. He's got 824, 821 yards, 4 touchdowns, 65 catches. He shows up every week. Got Laporta involved. They're, they're starting to get Jameson Williams involved. He had 2 catches. I mean, now... It seems like they're starting to get more two tight end looks as well with Brock Wright. Getting him back into the game. He played great towards the end of the year last year. He's a solid tight end as well. I mean, they, they, they just have found ways this year to win games in so many different ways. They'll win a shootout like this. They'll win a low-scoring game against the Chiefs. They um, they can blow a team out like they did to the uh, Raiders. They just, they're finding many different ways to win ball games. I think that's the sign of a good football team. I think the best teams in the league, they're not always the teams that are blowing people out. It's the teams yeah. that find solutions to whatever problem sits in front of them and is able to actually solve that problem. Not a lot of teams can do that. There's teams that can just blow teams out of the water. Look at the Dolphins. They put up 70 points against a team this year. Not everybody can do that. But then that Dolphins team also has games where they look like they can't solve even the tiniest of problems. Yep. This team gets punched in the face and they respond every time. They, they're biting at the kneecaps they every time. They are resilient as hell. Um, you know, looking at this team, I I don't see one real true weakness, if that's I'm it. being completely honest. And that's that's the biggest thing. The only thing you say is they're second here, but the only reason even, why that is because they're just banged up right now. Exactly. That's and it. when they're when they're healthy, they play well. Even their backups 
again, it's kind of this thing that we talked about with the Cleveland Browns, is they just have heart. That team just goes out there and plays 100%, 100% of the snaps. They're a direct image of their head coach. Exactly. exactly. They want it. They're locked in. They're gritty. They're motivated. They show up. They work hard. Everything you want your team to be, they are. I think with this win, Dan Campbell locked himself into that Coach of the Year award. Yeah. Easy. You know, like, this is a hard one. Chargers, talented team on the road. Again, like 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 I said earlier, this was one of the best games Justin Herbert's had late in in his entire career. Yeah, it was an impressive game from them, and they still lost because this Lions team found ways to just keep fighting. That's what good teams do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to the run game, uh, one stat that I saw is that the Lions Lions ran the ball twelve times off the right tackle or to the outside. They averaged 12.4 yards per carry. Pene Sewell is a dog. He's absurd. You want to talk about, we, we want to have a dialogue about Amonra St. Brown. Let's have a dialogue about Pene Sewell. Whew. He is quickly becoming the best tackle in the league. Not one of the best tackles, the best tackle in the league. It is awesome If he played that. that COVID year instead of opting out, he probably would have been the number two overall pick. Mm-hmm. They would have said, forget this Zach Wilson nonsense. <laughs> I mean, they should have done that. They, they, they would have said, "Let's just let's just give Sam Darnold another year to see how it goes." Give Sam Darnold one of the best tackles in football. <laughs> just <laughs> see, see how it goes. Helps. Yeah. Um, you know, I there's just not. I I just love. They're this tremendous team. at drafting offensive linemen because, like, they had a guy Caleb Soresdale. He played for them. He was a rookie this year. He had stepped in at left guard for Jonah Jackson, who's also a Pro Bowl that they drafted. And uh, he was their highest-rated offensive lineman against the Raiders, and Brian Baldinger was all over him. He had a great game. Like, they drafted Ragnow, Decker. They just – and same with their defensive line. Hodgkinson's a beast out of the whole him versus Thibodeau. They kind of basically picked that right. Ali McNeil is kind of a beast. And then they have just a bunch of other guys that just you know play well on the defensive front. They got that Charles Harris guy from the – Miami Dolphins that's kind of resurrecting his career. Julian Aquara, Isaiah Bugs of the world, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. John Kaminsky's, you know, those type of guys. Yeah. It's it's an impressive team. Let's let's talk about the Los Angeles Chargers a little bit. The offense looks looks like they're starting to figure it out offense this season. Is fine. <laughs> Their defense for the third year in a row still sucks. Mm-hmm. They got thoroughly outcoached in this game. They were not prepared for anything that um, Ben Johnson and the Lions threw at them. At this point, Bosa's washed. Like, Bosa looks like a shell of himself. He was getting just thrown around all game, as you said, when they ran at him on the edge. Smack goes against the left tackles now. Because mm-hmm. when Chicago went against the right tackles. He was getting thrown around by Panay Sewell all game, which I know it's Panay Sewell, but still. You're, you're Joey Bosa. Yeah, you're Bosa, who's making Let, $20 million a year. Let's not forget, two years ago, you were top two defensive end in the league. Their interior is not good. Sebastian Joseph Day. They got Nick Williams, who they signed off like a practice squad, who's you know, the guy on the Bears in 2019. Kenneth Murray. I mean, Eric Kendricks cannot move laterally anymore. Their defense is just not good. Mm-hmm. What What will it take for this defense to be good? What, what changes need to happen for this team? Because, like you said, it's been three years. They need to get younger and they need a new coach. Their head coach is not. How does Brandon Staley keep a job? 
How is this even possible? After last season's meltdown for them, how is this possible? And the year before, which is even worse. Yeah. You got to at least win one playoff game. No, no, nothing less. Which I don't, I don't even think they're going to make. They're not going to make it at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if the Broncos keep playing the way they're playing, they may be the third best team in their division by the end of the year. Yeah. Broncos right now are a better football team than them. They're showing it and in every aspect. Broncos right now look like a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Like, when you watched them last night, that's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Chargers, with Brandon Staley being on the hottest seat in the league, in my opinion, out of anybody, Frank Reich, and you can say Frank Reich and Matt Eberflus are on hot seats too, but Brandon Staley's on a good team, and he's been awful. He's on the hottest seat. Do you see a full-on rebuild coming for this team pretty soon? Keenan Allen's getting older. Austin Eckler's not getting Probably, because all, all the good players are old. At this point, who's a good young player that they have? Mike Williams, but he gets hurt every year. <laughs> He's got a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Rashawn Slater, but he gets hurt every year. <laughs> other than Derwin James, that's it. Mm-hmm. You might have to. Mm-hmm. Do you, so what What does that mean for Justin Herbert's future on this team? He'll still be around. They're not going to get rid of him. But do you see a world where they do get rid of him? Ever? Dean Spanos is cheap enough to do it. Maybe he doesn't want to pay him that money anymore. There'll be many, many teams that want him. <laughs> and you trade him to the Bears. We'll hey, give you the number one overall pick. If he really wants to, you know, we'll give him Rasheem Green or something. You can yeah. <laughs> Throw in Curry Blossom game. <laughs> He's been real solid for the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. They might have to. Mm-hmm. Their team is old. Like, mm-hmm. All of their players are old. Corey Lindsley. He's 32. He's got a heart condition. They're going to have to get a new center. Uh, they got Zion Johnson on the old line. Their defense is just straight up old. Mm-hmm. Bosa, Mack, Kendricks. Jerwin Dames ain't getting any younger either. He's 27, 28 now. Kendricks is washed. I mean, the only good young players they have on their defense are Kenneth Murray, but half the time he sucks. Mm-hmm. Sante Samuel will get some picks every year. And that's it. Yeah. There's there's just not Eckler's old. There's not promise on that team, is no. the issue. They were a team that was supposed to be last year this year with their Super Bowl contender windows, and they're missing it by a mile. Yeah. <coughs> we'll see how the rest of the season goes for the Chargers. You know we'll talk about them later on, especially when it's the end of the year if they're not Good. We'll see what what their steps for it are. Let's move on to our last game before we take a quick break here. Let's talk about one of these shorter games, an easier one to talk about. Let's talk about the Colts versus the Patriots. An absolute meltdown by the New England Patriots in front of the entire country of Germany. What is is the future for this team? I don't see Belichick being around after this season. And they need a whole entire roster reconstruction. They don't have any talent on this team, really. And the couple players that did show bright spots this season are now on the IR, basically. Kendrick like, Bourne was one of the only guys that had any problems. Andre Stevenson. I don't know, Demario Douglas. Mm-hmm. They just cut one of their corners who was a pro bowler Jack a couple Jones, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't. He went to the Raiders, but he was the one that like brought like a gun to like a Bang, so he'll fit in perfectly there. <laughs> That's exactly the Raiders' culture. And I, I don't even – I don't know any of these players they have on defense. They have, like, Keon Jones, that rookie from 
uh, Keon White, sorry, the rookie from Georgia Tech that was mad that he got drafted to the Patriots. <laughs> Miles Bryan, am I, am I confusing him for someone else? No, yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, you just look at this game. There's no reason the Patriots should have lost this game. The Colts tried everything they could to lose this Colts game. Colts did everything they possibly could to lose this game. <laughs> and the Patriots Baker Mayfield was lost. just like running in circles in the pocket. <laughs> they couldn't run the ball for anything. I mean, Jonathan Taylor averaged three yards a carry. Uh, they threw a pick. <laughs> Their defense didn't really like, do anything just... exceptional. <laughs> like... It was just a complete and utter meltdown. Like, I, like, watched this game. I said, yeah, I'm just going to go do something else. <laughs> Literally anything else would have made this game entertaining. Like, this game stank. <laughs> Germany wants nothing to do with the NFL now. <laughs> yeah. Ger- Germany might games. try to do, like, World War Three now after watching this. <laughs> like, they're going to, like, restore to their former glory or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's how bad this game was. Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones, like. McCorkle Jones, baby. When he was like 15 to 20 for, I don't even, and then what in the, what was that last play with Bailey Zappi, fake spike, thought he was Dan Marino, then throws it to four guys covering like. No idea. Well, at least, at least that was a designed play call. When you look at Mac Jones's play that got him benched in this game. He that just was, like didn't throw it. That might have been one of the worst throws I've ever seen an NFL quarterback ever Like, have. did he like, that was bad. I've seen guys it throw bad. it backwards, like on accident, and I that was still a worse throw than that than those. What? Yeah, I, I don't know what that was. I really don't. After this season, and after what we saw last season from Mac Jones, does he have anything of value to any team in this league? I don't know. He had a good rookie <laughs> year. At this point. Not really, no. He's like a backup. Do do you think that just the complete void of talent that is this New England offense I'd blame is a lot of the more reason? so that than him. He's not a guy that's going to make everyone around him tremendously better. And he can't run either. So the fact that there's they're devoid of talent just makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. He just needs to go fight, be somewhere else, and it'll probably be a lot better. Yeah. Uh, what what teams do you think would give him a shot this this off season or the next? Um, and what teams do you think he would thrive with out of any of those teams? Segway <laughs> has a real stank face going on here because that's a tough question. Atlanta. I think we say that for everybody. Basically, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Someone who has some type of Alabama connection. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. You know, I think what what the biggest issue for Mac Jones is, is that he's in kind of this weird period of quarterbacks that he was at the end of these legends leaving the game. And now he's too far, f- like, ahead of all these young guys coming in and changing the game. Yeah. He's in this very weird bubble of quarterbacks. And there's a couple other guys in there. You know, a lot of those guys from that draft class are in that bubble right now. You know, Trey Lance kind of is not anybody anymore. Zach Wilson's proving that he's not not that guy. Trevor Lawrence is having not a great season. Justin that whole, Fields that whole hasn't draft been class ended up being bad. <laughs> 
Um, Davis Mills might still be the best quarterback in that draft class. <laughs> and at he's this like point. a third string quarterback at this point. Um, <sighs> you know, and I, it, it's it's tough because after that rookie season, I th- I had a lot of promise in Mac Jones. You know, I think there was there's something there. But now that we're three years removed from that, two years removed from that, it looks it looks like they might have sucked all that talent out of him and left him a husk of the player that he could have been. Yeah. And I, I hate Like he could be good, it's just but like who's gonna like give him the opportunity? There's very there's very few teams. You know, if Baker Mayfield wasn't playing as decent as he is for the Buccaneers, I would say they would, but He's like He's playing good. But why would you ever want to give him the competition then since he's been playing so well? You yeah, know? you still got Trask. You know, the, the other teams I could think of are like those teams that have those quarterbacks we just named. Maybe like a Green Bay? Green Bay would give him, comp- you know, bring him in for competition. <coughs> if the Jets want any kind of competition going into next year, if they feel like Aaron Rodgers isn't 100% healthy to start off the season, which at this point it looks like he's Superman is coming back <laughs> at the end of the season or something. I don't know. That nomadic elf serum <laughs> that he's putting on his foot must really be working. Uh, but if there's any shot that like he's not healthy for the beginning of the season next year, which is which is possible with an Achilles injury like that, bring him in. You know, a team like the Jags, who where Trevor Lawrence isn't really doing great this year. You know, maybe you want to put a fire under him. Bring in one of his draft mates, you know? Give him a little competition. Maybe the uh, Vikings, because we don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Exactly. We don't. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is like the <laughs> destroyer the of worlds. Of yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe that spot wouldn't even, even be open. Yeah. There's there's teams that could give him a shot, but I don't think there's any realistic chance this guy really gets a chance to start in the NFL again. Yeah, I don't think so. And I hate to say that because the Patriots haven't done him any favors. Um, what what direction do you see the Patriots going this off season if they if Bill Belichick moves on from them? They draft Drake May. That's what I see them doing. Mm-hmm. Full rebuild. I think they get rid of Belichick. They go hire a new GM, new head coach, and they just rebuild it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Which they already have because they have no talent. This so. team, this team has nobody. They have nobody. I can't name half these players on their defense. Like they have, like Davin Godchak led them in tackles this game. Like last time I heard of him was 2017. <laughs> Jelani Tavai, Anthony Jennings, Peppers is old. They got Kyle Duggar, who was like their number one pick. He's from like D two, mm-hmm. and he he's played well in their defense. But yeah. he's a safety. Safeties can't really make that good of an impact when nobody else is doing their job on that. Ty defense. Montgomery is like. Still on their team. Didn't even know he was still in the league until I saw him on the field the other day. Yeah, it's rough. They let go to Jack Jones, so there's another corner gone. Mm-hmm. And they're paying J.C. Jackson $20 million a year. Which I don't even know why they made that trade in the first place. That, the Chargers were probably praying and saying hallelujah after the Patriots called him for J.C. Jackson for some reason. They don't even use that guy they played last year that Marcus Jones mm-hmm. that played offense, defense, but that was like he's better than any of their offensive players, and it was an amazing. I think he he must be hurt because he was really good. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder why they don't give that Malik Cunningham a chance. I I never really understood why they gave up on him like that. They gave him a three year deal, then they cut him the next week. He has so much talent in my eyes. Yeah, he's an extreme athlete. When they put him at wide receiver for a couple games in the preseason, he played well. When he yeah. put him at quarterback, he did what he could. 
So I don't even really want to go with Zappy because Zappy's just the less talented version of Mac Jones. It's it's very obvious. Which Mac Jones is lacking talent to begin with. <laughs> so. And that is how you describe the New England That's Patriots. That's the New England Patriots. All right, folks, it's getting close to 9 o'clock here, so we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a few more games we want to talk to you guys about. So Broncos, Bills, Saints, Vikings, a bunch of great games this weekend. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll be right back, guys. We'll be right back with the BJB Show on WRSE. Welcome back to the BJ Boys Show. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like that intro said, you are listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. I'm here with Sackman Alex Sackley. If you missed the first half of the episode, we went about talking the Chicago Bears going against the Carolina Panthers. And we ran through some of the other games from this past weekend. We're going to continue going through some of our favorite games from this weekend. We'll start off with the Buffalo Bills going up against the Denver Broncos, losing a really, really surprisingly good game on Monday night. Sackley, what is the Bills' issue, and why are they on such a downfall? Broncos country, let's ride. Uh, (laughs) Josh Allen can't read defense. God's tastiest baby in front of God's hungriest pit bull. He did that the entire game. Let's go after three weeks you got. (laughs) Yes, not relegated, yes. That they and for whatever reason, they will not throw the ball to their best receiver. They want to get everyone else involved except him. I would be mad if I was Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. You only have five targets. They'll throw to Gabe Davis six times and he'll drop three of them. They actually, very impressively, finally just decided to just run the ball. Mm-hmm. Great things happened. They just <laughs> went down and scored a touchdown solely just running the ball. It was awesome. So they finally did that. They haven't had that all year. Last three, four years, really. That, Josh Allen can't read a defense. He turns the ball over. Two picks. Uh, James Cook had some fumbling issues. Josh Allen also lost the fumble, of course. So he has another three-turnover game. Their defense, of course, you know, they lost Tremaine Edmonds. They're down Matt Milano. They're down... Uh, Tredavious White, and they're down um, uh, Hyde, right? Naquan Jones. Uh, yeah. And Micah Hyde, yeah. He's been banged up as well. So now they don't have a, a, the same amount of talent they had on defense. Von Miller is still kind of... He's not the same player he was. After missing no. two seasons, you can't be the no. same player you were. It, and he he doesn't care about football anymore. <laughs> no. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know why he's still going out there putting on pads. Yeah. Pro wants to be a TV host so bad. Yeah. I mean, Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd have been a nice surprise this year. But that's about it because now you lost all those other guys. Mm-hmm. You lost your best coverage linebacker. You got but top two coverage linebackers. Your secondary is decimated. They had to go get Razul Douglas at the trade deadline. So their defense is no longer an elite unit. You pair that with the inconsistent run game. Josh Allen has had more issues this year than any other year. I mean, and now building tension between him and Stephon Diggs, who Diggs wanted to punch him in the face during that playoff game last year, and Diggs put some interesting stuff, and his brother put some interesting stuff on Instagram after the game. That will lead to a pretty mediocre football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Allen single-handedly got his coach fired today. 
Ken, Ken Dorsey was released as the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, which was an interesting move to me because I guess I understand where they're coming from. You can't you can't blame Josh Allen this deep into the season. You can't as that offense you're riding with that quarterback. You put a lot of faith into him, a lot of money into him. You you can't not ride with him. So they had to blame somebody, and it just happened to be Ken Dorsey. And I don't I don't think that's completely. I, mean, fair I don't even to think their offense has played that bad. The, I mean... the issue with their offense is first of all the turnovers. The Bears are second in the league with 18 turnovers. You know who's right there tied with them? The Buffalo Bills, baby, with 18 yeah. turnovers. Um, you know that I mean, that doesn't. Allen's got 14 of them. And what what the issue with Ken Dorsey was for this offense is that this offense just gets so one dimensional. Whenever they have to hit that panic button, they either go full on pass or full on run, and that that is on the coaching. Yeah, that you is. can't do that. You can't. You can't give up on one facet of your game and expect to win football games. That's not how football, especially nowadays, that's not how football works. You know, again, we've talked about 15 years ago a couple teams back, but 15 years ago, yeah, maybe you can do that. You can't do that nowadays. Defenses are too good. Offenses are too complex. You can't go about just recessing back to three plays. It's basically what they do. And then when they start getting flustered, Josh Allen stops listening to him. You can tell Josh Allen just goes out there and does what he wants and it, it screws them over. Yeah. It doesn't work. Um, it really doesn't last episode or two episodes ago. You had mentioned that this is the last year for the Buffalo bills oh, yeah. to compete. What happens after this season, especially after a game like this Diggs is out of here after this season, he's fed up. He wants out. So now you, you lose him. Who do you have on offense? Yeah, Gabe Davis. <laughs> Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, d- for whoever reason you drafted, you know you already had a good tight end. So now you're gonna basically gonna have to get rid of Dawson Knox. So you're not gonna want to pay him ten mil a year to not do anything. And, and in their defense, Dalton Kincaid has been really good this season. He's I'm a good player, but how he's played. Was it really worth it? Exactly. When he had other pressing issues, a lot of pressing, like glaring issues. I mean, other at receiver, other than Diggs, who do they have? They have Gabe Davis, who, who's inconsistent as all hell. Before that playoff game two years ago, was nobody. Then People he, didn't know who he was. After that, you got Khalil Shakir. Was that Tupac Shakur's cousin or something? <laughs> I believe he's from Boise State. Let and me he, let me click on him. He's, I another, he's played well this season. He's had his moments. I think he's a second year guy. Yes, he is. Um, he's Out had of Boise State. Let's go, baby! Here we go. Look at us knowing football. Um, he's had a solid season this year as that third receiver when he hadn't really been given that type of workload. That's what you expect out of a second-year fifth-round pick from Boise State. Exactly. He's giving you what you expected out of him. Exactly. He's better than last year. Last year he had 261 yards on the season. So far, he's got 248 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um. If you see Stephon Diggs leaving this team, what are some ideal landing spots for him in your mind? If you were Stephon Diggs, I'm Stephon Diggs. Uh, I want to go to a team that's going to contend. Do you want to go to a team that already has a number one receiver? Would you be willing? To a guy like up? him is going to not want to be a number two receiver. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in Minnesota. He didn't like that. Am Thielen was kind of. More so favored than him, so he, he got his way out of there. But at this point, he's what he's going to be thirty. Let's get to him. Yeah, Diggs is a beast, but he's twenty nine now. 
He's going to be 30 in a month. When when does that ego go away for him to just want to win a Super Bowl? When when do you think he decides that he's willing to take on the number two role if that means he wins a championship? When he starts declining and he receives it. So if he's still producing at this rate, he's, that ego's not going to go away. Um, I mean, with with those qualifications that you that you had stated, there's two teams that I think Stephon Diggs can go to this offseason that don't already have a number one receiver. That's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. I would, yeah, I would try to go to both either one of those teams. I mean, I guess you could even throw in the rest of the AFC North besides the Bengals. The but I don't know if the Bills want to trade him to an AFC team, really. But the, if you think about it, all the NFC teams that are competing don't don't need a number one receiver. The Eagles have A.J. Brown. When he's yeah. healthy, the Vikings have Justin Jefferson. The 49ers don't need a receiver. They got Debo Samuel, even if they Debo did. and Ayuk and Kittle. Exactly. You know, none of those teams are really looking for – I mean – we mentioned it before. The Detroit Lions have Amon St. Brown, who might be a top five receiver in the league now. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, they could do it because they, that's all they have at receiver, really. Amon, Zaman Ra, and they could throw in you know Jameson Williams in a first round pick, and I think that would kind of settle it for them. Mm-hmm. I would do that. You know what? I think that's my pick for him to go is Detroit, mm-hmm. Buffalo champs. They don't mind cause it's the NFC team. They're not gonna see him in the playoffs, maybe, but yeah. A little off track. If he goes to Detroit, where do you have Jared Goff in your MVP rankings next season? Oh, he's he's Jared Goff, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> uh, yeah, that Lions team would be real dangerous with Stephon Diggs. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a scary With uh, Montgomery running for your face and Jameer Gibbs on the edge. <laughs> then running around your dead body after you did Yeah, with... Panay Sewell pancaking you, then doing the oh god 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 dance. <laughs> you're not you're not beating that team with Ig Nudgingson. Who knows? Maybe he'll take a page out of Nick Bosa's playbook and he'll be like that by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if when Stephon Diggs and he already has started getting frustrated with this team, how long until Josh Allen gets frustrated with this organization? And then what happens? I mean, in you the really, next few years? if you're Josh Allen, you can't even be frustrated because you're the one that's doing it. <laughs> You're the one that's turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. They went out and they got you the number one receiver. They got you. They've always given you a above average offensive line. Mm-hmm. And they, a defense that can compete. And usually. a defense that's top five. Mm-hmm. You know, what can you really be mad at? Mm-hmm. They got the best fan base in the NFL. So they're always going to get unbroiled, unstoppable positivity from them. So what can you really be mad mm-hmm. at? Well, then, in that case, is Josh Allen ever going to reach an MVP status? Or has he reached his ceiling so far in his career? And do you think it's kind of gonna, just going to be a plateau and then downhill from here? Or is there any more room to grow for this guy? He's plateaued. Every year we talk about him taking less risks, playing smarter, and it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to get hurt soon. There's no way he can take these, this many hits and just not ever get hurt. He's been very lucky. I think it's his time. Plus, then you look at the division, Miami's only going to get better. New England only only can go up. New England can only get better. And then <laughs> the, the Jets, if the Jets do get Aaron Rodgers back this year, this year or next year, that's the best team in the division mm-hmm. with that defense. That's still young with everyone in the first or second year. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> I think we talk, we've talked about a lot of underrated receivers today. Garrett Wilson. He's you know, a beast. He's awesome. If you just so didn't that have team Zach is, Wilson, he'd be 
That team's a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Garrett Rogers. Wilson, in terms of talent, is a top five receiver. He just is in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you give him Aaron Rodgers. He's give him Aaron Rodgers. He is beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> he's quite delightful. So this this Bills window has completely completely closed. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos for a little bit. What a turnaround of a season! What a <laughs> what a year for the Broncos. I mean, whew. I mean, their defense was averaging 36 a game. Now they're averaging 17 a game. Don't know what flipped both times to go from <laughs> great defense last year to historically bad defense to back to being a good defense. Don't know what happened. I guess Randy Gregory must have just been that bad. <laughs> that much of a locker room issue or something. That Russell Wilson's playing some good ball. Mm-hmm. And we, we had talked about this before the show a little bit. Russell Wilson doesn't need to be Seattle Russell Wilson for this team to be good. No. He just needs to be good. He just needs to be above average. Yeah. And I think he finally understood that. I think from a lot lot of last season, the cameras were just in his face. That trade and that contract and all of that just kind of, it threw cameras in his face. I don't think he was ready for that. No. Even when he was in Seattle, even when he was an MVP contender, he never had attention like he did last season in Denver. He's in Seattle. And this season, after seeing what happened last season, the league and fans let up on him. He's not getting the same coverage he was. And I think because of that, he's getting comfortable again. This O-line is not any better than it was last year. The O-line is atrocious. They're better. They're better. He still gets sacked four times a game. Yeah, but they're better. Last year was hopeless. <laughs> they're better. Um, he was sacked four times this game. but And it, it's that's not the first game of the season that yeah, he's been I, sacked four I, times. You're 100% correct, but they're better. Okay. They definitely are better, but like, still, it's not – a very much different offense than it was last season is, is, is my point with all of this. Yeah. But he looks more comfortable. Much With more. what he has. And then he's, he lost 15 pounds and he's running again. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. He's been a pretty effective runner this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did, yeah, 3.3 yards carry this game, but still 30 yards. He was extending a lot of plays. There was a lot of plays where it would have been a sack, but he got five yards and they kicked a field goal. Mm-hmm. So the, there's just... It's something different about this team that we didn't see last year. And because of that, where do you see this team ceiling? Maybe not this year, but in the future if they keep rolling with this team. Because in general, it's a pretty young team. Yeah, and they're actually going to have picks this year mm-hmm. in this year's draft. I mean, you look at their schedule. They got Minnesota. I think they beat Minnesota 5-5. Five and five. Ooh. <laughs> they lose against Cleveland. I think they edge it out against Houston. Six and five. They'll beat Los seven and five. Smacked against Detroit. Seven and six. Then they got New England, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas. I think they, they win all those games. I think they finish ten and seven, make the playoffs. Probably lose first round, maybe went sneak wise somehow, some way in the first round. Maybe the Dolphins just blow a gasket. <laughs> or Browns. Mm-hmm. Probably Ravens because Lamar just won't cut it in the playoffs, and then we can start that whole narrative once again. <laughs> uh, then, you know, say they have a good draft class, bring in a couple guys. Yeah, they c- it could be a contending team. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, to me, look like they're fading. I think they're going to lose Andy Reid after this year. Mm-hmm. Then without Andy Reid, we don't know. And, and you If know, they have Matt Nagy calling the offense, that's not going to be a good offense. Especially an offense that this is the first year we have seen – the Chiefs suffer from not having talent at wide receiver, I think. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. Kelsey's only getting anybody. older. He's only getting more distracted with his off-the-field stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not looking like that window is getting any wider for that Chiefs team. 
So this Broncos could sneak in there. And, you know, you look at a team like the Chargers where we were saying before, they their defense is so historically bad that they just cannot figure anything out, and that keeps them in that bottom half of that division. Raiders aren't ever going to figure anything out. I don't have any faith in Robert anything. Robert is a generational <laughs> defensive player. They're in good hands. Um, you know, th- this division is wide open for that Broncos team. And you get you get rid of another locker room cancer this offseason and a guy like Jerry Judy, you know. Yeah, you ship him off to China. <laughs> He's going to play for the Guangdong Tigers. Yes. The Xinjiang Flying Leopards. <laughs> um, you know, you just keep building a culture there. And I think this team could be competitive this turnaround, a lot of the beginning of the season, people put blame on Sean Payton a little bit, saying that, you know, he's not doing anything better than Hackett was doing. Now that they have kind of started turning the season around, do you give any credit of that to Sean Payton too? Yeah, this team looks good. They're, they're call, he's calling great plays on offense. Their offense looks a thousand times better than last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense, I mean, Vance Joseph was about to get run out of town for the second time. <laughs> Much better now. They really don't even have much talent anymore because they traded Chubb. They got rid of Randy Gregory. Uh, there's no one really named where. They have a couple good young guys like Benito and Cooper. Mm-hmm. And obviously Sertan. Yeah. Zach Allen was kind of a flop at free agent acquisition. I mean, he's got three sacks, but just not worth that money really. Mm-hmm. But they're playing good ball. That you got a great punt returner in Marvin Mims, rookie. Not not even just great punt returner. He has a lot of promise as a receiver. Yeah, they need to give him the ball more. Mm-hmm. I'd give it to him instead of Judy. Yeah. Uh the secondary is still pretty solid. They got a lot of good a lot of good things here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what this Denver Broncos team can do in the future. I've always been a big believer in Russell Wilson. I think I think I like <coughs> seeing him finally, you know, just figure it out with this team. Let's move on to our next game. Let's talk about the Saints versus the Vikings. The Saints, even though not winning this game, we saw some promise in that offense with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Is Derek Carr the issue for this team? I love me some Jameis Winston. (laughs) Jameis Winston is the ultimate wild card. You're going to get some good, something fantastic, like that. Touchdown pass to A.T. Perry where he literally threw it from sideline to sideline and just planted his foot and said, screw it, he's over there somewhere, let's just hope it works. And then there's another play where only Jameis Winston will make that throw and decide, and then it looks terrible. It was it was prime Tampa Bay Jameis is what we saw. It was Jameis Sheamus. Oh, it was crab legs Jameis. <laughs> The lunchroom incident, Jameis. Eating a W, Jameis. Like, I want to eat a W today. The look in his eyes is just awesome. <laughs> you want to eat a W today? <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. At least, like, the Saints have been one of those teams that yeah, they're okay at times, they're good at times, but they're just unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Even when they started out 2-0 they had that Monday night game against the Panthers, I wanted to, like, gouge my eyes out. <laughs> That was almost as bad as the Bears Panthers. Like it was it was worse. <laughs> when like Tony Jones was their whole offense. He's on the Cardinals now. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. The guy that was their offense for two weeks to begin the season is now on the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kamara, for what it's worth, he's really kinda settled the ship with them. 
Uh, they're. I think they kind of should go with Jameis for a game because Carr's banged up right now. So let's just wait till he's healthy. Just see how the team looks. I don't know why they didn't put Jameis in the game last year when they had Andy Dalton. That I still don't understand. But yeah, I thought they were gonna win this game, but they they went in and Josh Dobbs the destroyer of worlds smacked them around. Astronaut, baby, I love that man. <laughs> Help me get a dominating victory in fantasy. Little, yes, he he was the only guy that performed in my fantasy team, other than Jameer Gibbs. Little Bill here can play. He's a beast. I don't know. He must have been extremely frustrated sitting on the sideline all those years. He's fantastic. I mean, you look at this. No picks. Eight yards a pass. Touchdown pass. 268 yards. 88.8 QBR. Very impressive. Against a very good defense. And then he adds 44 yards and a touchdown running the ball. He's going to be their leading rusher by before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He's better at running the ball than any of those running backs. They need to get that Keenan and Wagu more carries. He's their dynamic kick returner. That was David Montgomery and Brees Hall's backup in college. Mm-hmm. They need to get him the ball more because Madison is this computer mouse has more ability than him. <laughs> Ty Chandler. I remember a little bit in college, he transferred from Tennessee to North Carolina. He's fast, but he's little. He's three yards to carry. Offensive line's not a very good run-blocking unit. Very I, good pass-blocking unit, but not a good run-blocking unit. I think that's the biggest issue for their offense, and like really their only issue for this offense is that the O-line just can't run-block. And we spent so much of the beginning of the season blaming Alexander Madison for his lack of production. But then, after seeing what Cam Akers did in his short time back there before he got injured, and then what... Um, we saw this game from Ty Chandler. You you look at those stats and you watch that game and you're like, maybe it's not all Alexander Madison. Maybe it's just the fact that these guys will yeah. not block a defensive lineman to save their they life. They can't. And it's crazy because of how good they are in the pass. That old line looks like a completely different unit every other play, basically. It's got a bunch of Javon Manuals out there, I guess. <laughs> Shout out Javon. Shout out man. Javon. <laughs> um you know, I think one thing that this offense that I do want to say is definitely a blessing is Kirk Cousins still. A lot of reports came yeah. out that he spent every day still in the Vikings facility. In the complex, talking to Dobbs, throwing out suggestions, mm-hmm. helping him with the playbook. Great guy. You know, we, we've talked about it a couple times today with some of these teams. Is building a good culture helps win championships. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And that's a guy that wants to build a good culture, no matter where he's at. People love Kirk Cousins, and you can see why. The day that he tore his Achilles, he was out back at the Vikings practice facility helping um, give out presents to kids. Yeah. You know, give give out candy to kids. He was fist bumping dudes when he was on the cart. <laughs> exactly. <with a> torn Achilles. <laughs> you know, and not, not many teams are able to be blessed with a leader like that. And I think without him... Josh Dobbs may not perform as well yeah. as he is. I want your cousins to date my daughter. <laughs> I think he might be a little old for your daughter when it okay. comes time. <laughs> and he has a wife and children. Yeah, but... screw him. <laughs> screw him. <laughs> um, with, with how good this <laughs> offense has played uh, in these past two games with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. And no Justin Jefferson. That was going to be my next question. How good is this offense when Justin Jefferson comes back? And then what is what is the ceiling for this Vikings team then? I mean, Jordan Addison, these last few games, with everything going on, especially when Kirk was still in, he looked like 
Justin Jefferson did his rookie year. He looked fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. So now you got a, a very good one-two punch, arguably the best receiver duo in the league with him and Justin Jefferson. And then after this game, you got TJ Hawkinson. You might have the best tight end in the game. <laughs> 34 yards and probably will be better than uh, Kelsey in about a year from now when Kelsey gets really old. Yeah, if it wasn't for Mark Andrews still doing his thing every week, uh, TJ Hawkinson, again, last week when we talked about yeah, He's old- an Iowa guy. He can block. Mm-hmm. We talked about our our all-pro offense last week. I had TJ Hawkinson as my all-pro tight end, and he proved me right with this game. He had 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Mm-hmm. He had one catch in the second half, He and he was phenomenal. Yeah. You hear a guy only has one catch in the second half, you're like, oh, he probably only had like five for 30. No, he had 11 for 101. Yeah. That's crazy. Unstoppable. Insane. And I, I don't see that getting any worse when Justin Jefferson comes back. I think it gets even better when Justin Jefferson comes back because teams are going to have to yeah. focus on him. Yeah, yeah, now you got to go guard the best receiver in the league. And then you leave one of the best Titans in the league open. And then you go and guard him. Well, then you have one of the best young receivers in the yeah, league. And they still have side. this new revitalized Brian Flores defense. Uh-huh. Neil Hunter is the defense player of the year. Yeah. with Up there with, you know, Miles Garrett's TJ Watts of the world. Mm-hmm. DJ Vonham's having a breakout year. South Carolina guy. Let's go Gamecocks. Uh, the Josh Metellus of the world. Their, their secondary is tough. They got Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker, Cincinnati, tough guy, neck breaks, got to love it. I really like Cam Bynum. I think he's a Bynum, very yep. intense player. Yep. Byron Murphy Jr., mm-hmm. you know, they got a lot of guys that are, they're working out there. Mm-hmm. Harrison Phillips is a good run defender. They blitz more than anyone. They're good at it. If they just, you know, they say maybe get Kirk back or just stick with Dobbs, who, who knows, Dobbs might be. Have the, one of the weirdest later career resurgence ever seen before. I mean, we just watched Geno Smith revitalize his career yeah. last season, and we nobody knew where Geno Smith was two years Conti- before that. Continue to this defense, add to it, get a couple more horses up front, go get a real running back as well. That would help. This team, I don't know, I don't know why this team can't be come twenty twenty four be the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like if Kirk didn't get hurt, I had him as my MVP. The way he was playing. Um, looking at this team this year, you said next year you see them being one of the best teams in the NFC. This season, um, they're right at the edge of that playoff picture right now. Do you see them making the playoffs this oh, year? Yeah. I trust them more than NFC South's only going to get one team in. I trust them more than the Commanders. Uh, here, let's look at the standings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you look at you know the NFC West. I I don't trust any team. I really <laughs> I don't trust the Seahawks at this point. The Rams and Cardinals are, aren't making They're done. It. They're yeah. done. You know, the 49ers are, are the 49ers. See, are you'll have win. the four. I think the Lions are going to win the division. So you have the four division leaders, then the Cowboys. I put the Cowboys as, as the five seed. I trust at this point the Vikings more than I trust the Seahawks. I'd put them at number six. They'll probably have to play like, you know, San Fran. They'll lose that, but. Hey, to make the playoffs with your backup quarterback and Justin Jefferson missing half the season, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's better than you could have ever expected yeah. this season going. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I think at the beginning of this year, people were looking at the Vikings and they're like, oh, it looks like we're going to have another fraud year from the Vikings. And it started out looking like that, but there's just something different about the Vikings. They have... You know, again, we talked about this with Lions, and I mentioned this earlier. they're playing defense this year. They look reinvigorated. They look like a team that actually wants to go out there and win games, not a team that has one of the best receivers anybody has ever seen and that they just sit there and watch him. It was just kind of what it looked like a lot last season. Yeah. 
this year it looks like the whole team is in. They're they're bought in. And I think that's a that's a good start for a team that, like you said, has the ability to be one of the best teams in the league in the next couple of years if they just stay healthy. So we'll see how that uh, goes for the rest of the year. Let's move on to one of our next games. Let's talk about the Seahawks and the Commanders. This game uh, had a decent amount of playoff uh, hopes riding on it because both these teams are fighting for that spot with the Vikings. What what was one of the shining spots for this game for the Commanders for you? It have to be Sam Howell. I mean, it sure wasn't their defense. I mean... <laughs> That's what happens when you trade away Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Your whole pass rush. Your whole pass rush just magically withers away. I mean, you look at Sam Howell here. I mean, 312 yards, three passing touchdowns, no picks, 17 yards rushing, 109 passer rating, 51 QBR. I mean, he led them to a game-tying score. He rallied them back with no run game to speak of, really, 68 yards. He passed the ball around to everyone. Everyone got involved. I mean, Both those, running backs had a touchdown. The reason those running backs weren't getting the rushing yards is because they were getting the receiving yards. Logan Thomas, five catches. McLaurin, four. I mean, you got everyone involved. I mean, he's leading the league in pass, passing yards right now, and he's third in touchdowns. So, to me, it's you found your quarterback of the future. This is basically his rookie year. He only started one game last year. I mean... In this game, they didn't play defense. They didn't run the ball. So he, that's basically your only uh, only uh, bright side. Mm-hmm. What What is the ceiling of Sam Howell to you? After seeing what we have so far this season, how good can this guy be? And I know that's a tough question because the, he's only had the one year of starting. For a team that yeah, he's only started eleven games. A team that doesn't really have a lot of talent. That's kind of forced him to. I'd say maybe perform. like a Kirk Cousins or like a much better version of Baker Mayfield. Because mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me of Baker Mayfield, just a lot more athletic than Baker, coming out of college. I'd say a, a stocked up Baker Mayfield kind of Kirk Cousins type. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he can be that higher caliber of quarterback, that top because both those guys when Baker Mayfield is at the top of his game and Kirk Cousins is playing their top half of the league quarterbacks. What kind of changes do you need to make on the sideline and in the front office to help make sure he reaches that potential of being a top 15, 16 quarterback in the league? Their offensive line's not very good, and they don't have a running back. I don't really like Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson's not very fast or very explosive to me. He's barely a four-yard per carry type of guy. Antonio Gibson is... I don't even know what he is at this point. He's been in a doghouse for so many years. So you need to go get a real running back, and I'd upgrade the offensive line because they have allowed the most sacks in the NFL. Part of that's on him, mm-hmm. but I would do that because you have the receivers. You have a tight end. You just need to stock up the O-line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, looking at that running back group, I, there's talent there with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, but neither one of them is going to help you win games in the long run. Yeah. You know, when they're your leading receivers, that's really nice. That's awesome to have a guy like that. But I think when a running back is leading in receiving yards, that usually means they're a second running back. A lot of starting running backs, unless you're Christian McCaffrey, aren't getting receiving yards like that. Yeah. That's the Naheem Hines role that you that you're playing there right right now. And because of that, you have to go out and get get a first over first guy to kind of offset that uh, talent 
and then also take a little pressure off Sam Howell. You know, I think if we see him consistently with the same kind of mid mid to bad o- offensive line, running backs <laughs> who can't help him out in the run game, we'll see kind of a downturn of Sam Howell's career. Probably. You yeah. know, like you to your point, this is his rookie season. Teams don't haven't seen him yet. When teams start seeing him and you don't have anything else that can kind of take any weight off his shoulders, it's not going to be good. You've seen quarterbacks in this league collapse because of that. You know, Daniel Jones, before he got hurt this year, you saw that collapse. It was bad, yeah. It's it's a very similar situation that we're looking at here. So you don't want to give him that opportunity to collapse. Go out this offseason. Make a push. Ron Rivera should be done. He should have been fired after last year. For his own health, he should be done. I mean, he didn't even know that they were eliminated from the playoffs or that was a winner go home game against the Browns last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that just proves, like, I, a lot of guys I would say that means they don't care. For a guy like Ron Rivera, and I have a lot of respect for a guy like Ron Rivera, I think that just proves that he's just not, he's not in it anymore. It's not that he doesn't care. I don't think he has the ability to care. Yeah. I don't think he has enough heart to go out there and be a head coach in the NFL anymore. Give somebody else a shot. And, you know, for a lot of this season, I was questioning why Eric Bieniemy would want to be the offensive coordinator of this team. And it's because I'm pretty sure he knows Ron Rivera's done after the season. He's the next option. Up. And that this team still had a lot of talent when he was when he signed with them. They had a they had a chance to be a pretty good team this season, I think. I think a lot of people had them winning a few more games than they may actually end up winning. Um, and because of that, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, I can come in and take over this team and all it needs is just one more step, especially with that defense they had before the trade deadline. Yeah. It, it, there was a lot expected out of that defense. I don't know why they traded both of them. Me neither. I thought they were going to keep one of them. Not both. Now you have no pass rush. Well, and add that on to the already missing pass uh, secondary that they don't have. Yeah. Nobody can cover on that team. Like, nobody. nobody. It's awful. It's not. It's bad. If I were them, and I had said this before, if I were them, I don't know why, and I don't know if the Bears would have agreed to this either, but I don't know why Jalen Johnson wasn't involved in any talks for the Commanders. If they wanted to get rid of one of their pass rushers, they should have found a way to get help on the back end. Then. I mean, they got Kendall Fuller, who's like a 40 years old. This, well, he's only 28, but... He, he doesn't stay healthy. Yeah. He the plays like the injuries he's that he's had, he seems... They got Benjamin St. Juice, who's been one of their better players. Cameron Curl's still solid, but that Emmanuel Mosley, not Emmanuel Mosley, the Emmanuel Forbes. Yes, terrible. What what a waste of a pick. And you had said it earlier when he had gotten benched against the Chicago Bears because DJ Moore was doing whatever he wanted against him. You had said it that you don't know what they saw in him to begin with. Yeah, I wouldn't have made him a first. He wasn't a first round pick to me just because. His body is a year or two away from being ready for the NFL. He's 160 pounds playing outside corner. It's not going to work. Going up against an A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. a D.J. Moore, not going to work. And I think what, what they saw was that, you know, people had were saying that about Devontae Smith when he came in, that his body wasn't ready for the NFL, and he performed. Still. Yeah, but that's, It's a wide receiver, receiver versus a cornerback, though. Much different position. There's not 6'4", 230-pound cornerbacks. There's 6'4", 230-pound wide receivers in this league, though, that yeah. are going to run all over you and jump yeah. all over you, and it's yeah. going to... Box even, you out. Exactly. 
DJ Moore's not that big, but he he looked like a giant against him. On, he looked like a fullback out there. It was crazy. I don't understand how you can look at that pick and be happy about that at all, even when you made the pick. And then for you to not address it during the trade deadline, when you're a team that's still – they're still fighting for a playoff spot. You have the Giants this week. That's a win. That's a win. You're 5-6. and six. The Giants might be the worst team in the league besides the Patriots, I think. Yeah. You have a shot. You have a very reasonable shot. But you've accept- – and I think part of it is that they would rather not give Ron Rivera a chance to win. They would rather find any reason to fire him after this season. So by getting rid of any help you had on defense, you don't give him a shot to win. You make him prove that he can be one of the best defensive coaches in the league. You make him prove that by taking away any talent he has. And he's not going to because who could? Yeah. Even Bill Belichick isn't making that defense work. The era of these defensive-minded coaches just dominating is over. It's very old school. You can see every coach that's a defensive-minded coach is, is an old man. And then all the fun coaches in the league, all the coaches that are innovative on the offensive side of the ball. And are winning. And are winning football games. Offensive coaches. Offensive coaches. I mean, the only good one right now is Sean McDermott, but he might be on his way out of Buffalo. He might not have a job in, in a couple months. I mean, Iberflus has been a massive failure. It's not looking good. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, any any of those New England disciples that came from that They're all terrible. Side, yeah. <laughs> Other than Flores. All terrible. And he's not a head coach right now, though. That's yep. the thing. It, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. The only only fun, young de- defensive coach that's winning right now is Jimmy Ryans, but that's because of he has C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't – when I watch the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans feels like he's given a lot of opportunities to his coordinators and kind of has his hands on both sides and is kind yeah. of like helping out, Yeah, which is what – a young coach with very little coaching experience does besides one side of the ball. And I think he's doing that great. You know, yeah, he's a defensive coach, but he's not really a defensive yeah. coach. He's a head coach. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think you at least need that in Ron, Ron Rivera's. Yeah, that. Dennis Allen sucks as well. Yeah. It, it's bad. It's bad. Um, RIP defense winning championships. <laughs> I mean, the, but that's the other thing is that defenses still can win championships. They can not lose you a championship. Fair enough. Fair enough. At this point. But, you know, I'm looking at some of these teams who have won the Super Bowl in the past years. They still had really yeah, yeah. good defenses. You that need, you need, thing. You that need, Chiefs team's defense last year saved them a lot of You need a good defense. But there's, no, there's not going to be any more 2015 Broncos. Yeah. No shot. That era's over. No shot. I mean, unless the Browns make a magical run this year. Which, if Deshaun Watson ever decides to play like Houston, at least Deshaun by them Watson, they'd have Nick Chubb back. Exactly, you know that that could be the first team that we've seen in a while make any any noise with that type of type of defense. Besides, maybe the Bears team five years ago, but then we, we lost saw in the what first round. <laughs> we scored fifteen points and exactly. relied on our absolutely terrible kicker to win us the game, <laughs> as he scored what nine of our fifteen points. Heck yeah, dude. Um, let, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks here for a little bit. Before you had mentioned that you don't really feel like they have they are a true true contender, like some people feel like they could be. What what about this team? Do you think needs to be changed moving forward to give them that shot to be a contender in the next couple of years? I 
they've upgraded their defense talent-wise, but they're still not really producing that well, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, they went out, they just got a Leonard Williams, they got a Frank Clark, they got a Tyreek Woolen, a Jordan Brooks, Witherspoon they drafted on my They still have Jamal Adams. I want to see more from this defense. They've been better this year, but they're not elite. That and then... I don't know if Gino's really that guy. He's kind of not played as well this year. This game, he finally got going. But before this game, he had he eight was not, touchdowns to seven interceptions. Not playing well, yeah. So, their offensive line needs to get out there so they can run the ball better. And I just feel they, they need to use DK Metcalf more. He's too big, too strong, too fast to only have like three, four catches every game. Use him like how they use Debo. A.J. Brown, to a certain extent. Like, a guy like that. He's way too big, fast, talented to not be touching the ball at least seven, eight times a game. Mm-hmm. Have him run the ball on the outside. Something. Mm-hmm. I think in in a lot of, at, at face value, the Seattle offense should be one of the most talented in the league. They have so much depth. Metcalf, Lockett, Smith and Jigba. Will, Will Disley is a... Very solid tight Disley, end. Disley, Noah Fan, Colby Parkinson, a tight end. Ken- Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet are one of the best young backfields yep. in the league. Jake Bobo is your fourth receiver. He's making plays as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But to that, the Seattle Seahawks have this problem of feeling the need to feed everybody yeah. on their offense. And to your point about DK Metcalf, you, you have to feed your best players first. You have to. And he doesn't. He do- They don't. As a team, they don't. And I don't know if that's Geno Smith. I don't know if that's the coaching. But something needs to change there where you look at some of these some of these great teams in the league. The Philadelphia Eagles have all the talent in the world on their offense, and they throw to A.J. Brown 15 times a game, mm-hmm. at least. You have to do that. Yeah. I, I You're looking at a very similar situation in terms of talent on that offense. You have to feed your best players. I get it. You want to showcase this great talent that you have on your offense, but at one point you're going to stretch yourself thin. Yep. You're not going to be able to throw to everybody all the time. And then if a guy like DK Metcalf isn't ready to take on a 15-catch a game or Geno Smith isn't willing to throw to him 15 times a game, then you're going to be screwed against better teams. Plain and simple. This Washington defense is awful. We just we just talked about it. We torched them for 40. You know – this should have been a game where DK Metcalf puts up 200 yards. Any other team that DK Metcalf is on, he's putting up 200 yards in this game. And he didn't. He didn't. He had a good game. A very solid game. I mean, seven catches on 12 targets isn't that pretty. Not for a guy who has DK Metcalf. 50%. Lock it. You know, 92 for a buck for a touchdown. Other than that, Walker had that one slow 64-yard touchdown, and then Jigba was 4 for 53. They had nine guys get targeted this game. Nine guys catch the ball this game. <coughs> That's not necessary. Yeah, you don't need Bobo getting two targets. You don't need Charbonnet getting five. I mean, Colby Parkinson doesn't ever need to be seeing targets in an offense where you have three top-tier receivers. Mm-hmm. If this was, you know... If you were the Washington Commanders, yeah, maybe Colby Parkinson can get a couple catches. But not on a team that has DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Yep. That's it's it's crazy. You can't win games that way. 
it looks good in the stat sheet, but it doesn't look good on the field. Plain and simple. I agree 100%. You have to change something to be able to make that offense the true deadly power that it can be. And it's just not there right now. Yep. We got about 10 minutes left in the show here. Let's move on to one of our last games. This is one you wanted to talk about. The Arizona Cardinals against the Atlanta Falcons. What, Welcome what did back, you, Kyler Murray. Let's talk about him first. What did you like about him? I mean, obviously he's coming back from the ACL, but he didn't look like it. He looked like the same old Kyler Murray, fast, explosive, running around like a mad little five-year-old. I mean, first game, you know, they obviously could have won some games earlier if they had him. But to lead a game-winning drive where you make some absolute magic with your feet and you uh, lead them down, he was throwing the ball pretty well, as, you know, for, for over a year off, you know, 249 yards, 8 yards a pass against a decent defense. With They don't really have anyone out there, like, they got James Conner. Your boy, Trey McBride, is oh, arrived. I'm so happy, He's dude. arrived. I'm so happy. Charles Uxin is happy. <laughs> but then you got Rondell Moore and, and Hollywood Brown. That's it. Going what? against a decent defense, and he performed. He led him to 25 points and a game-winning drive. That kind of, to me, kind of said, hey, we don't need a quarterback. Build around Kyler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at the talent that we're talking about, Rondell Moore, guys like Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown, they're not great players, but they are game-changing players. They can turn games around if you give them the opportunity. Yep. All you have to do is give them the opportunity, though. And I think with what they were doing earlier in the season and at the second half of sec- last season, it's just playing it safe because they don't have a Kyler Murray back there. You give a guy like Kyler Murray who has MVP potential. He's shown that in his career. There's- say, say what you want about Kyler Murray, but... 43 known Texas football high school, which has never been done before. Heisman Trophy winner. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Two-time Pro Bowl. He's, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. Drafted first round in the MLB draft. He's that talented. Not, not just the first round. He was the first overall pick in that draft. Yeah, he's he's talented. Um, You know, and with, with that type of talent, this with whoever you have running next to him, behind him, beside him, Yeah. If he is playing at the top of his game, he can make those players Plus, look good. Plus, I feel he actually likes this coach. He does. I think the he whole didn't team like likes Cliff, Mar- Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquise Brown said he's like, hey, he's not coming back just to be average. He's like, I see a different fire in his eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people spent the past two seasons talking down on Kyler Murray's name. Yeah. Plain and simple. The whole Xbox stuff and all that. Exactly. I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't come out with a fire burning underneath him. You know, he has the whole – nobody's looking at him anymore. And, you know, I kind of said this with Russell Wilson, and it's a, it's a different thing with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson because Kyler Murray kind of sulked when he started getting that and went quiet, and he never really was a huge talker. But, you know, you could see there was something in his demeanor when people weren't supporting him the way that they should have been, honestly. And I think coming out now, he's just angry. It's not about – you know, him trying to prove to himself. He wants to prove to everybody else. Yeah. That's how it looked in this first game. And you give this guy some talent on offense, some guys who can be more consistent Go than a Marquise a Brown Marvin or Ronald Harrison, Brown. another tackle, another guard. I think the first thing you need to do is add another offensive lineman. Yeah, I agree. I think if they're 
after this game, you're keeping Kyler Murray at quarterback. I would at least. Yeah. I'm grabbing the Penn State guy. Olu uh-huh. oh, yeah. Um, I can't say his name. That's why. Olu Fushonu. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gr- I'm grabbing him with whatever first round pick we yeah. have end up having. They got two first round picks because they got the Texans one as well. Correct. So. Then I'd go get another weapon for good old Kyler Murray. And the Texans pick might not be the end up being the greatest because they're looking decent. They have yeah. a shot to be in the playoffs now, so that could be a middle of the draft pick. But a middle of the draft pick is still a solid pick. Any first round pick yeah. you're happy with. Yeah. Usually, unless you're the Washington. Hey, the next three the games are all very winnable. Yeah. Texans, which they then have opportunity to make that pick better. That's gonna be a fun game. I'm Rams, winnable. <laughs> Steelers. Find a way to get to 20 points. You'll win that game. <laughs> the Steelers are the Iowa of the NFL. Basically. <laughs> same colors and everything. Yep. Just get to 20 points, you'll win. <laughs> win those, you're 5-8. and eight. You're back in the hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not eliminated. After that, you know, 49ers, okay, you'll probably lose against them. Maybe they, maybe Brock Purdy has another pooper. Mm-hmm. And then you got the Bears. You beat the Bears. Probably. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed they beat the Bears. And then after that, Eagles Seahawks probably not winning those games. But yeah. that'd be an impressive way to end your year. You know, end up with five, six wins mm-hmm. after everyone thought you were going to be the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd have basically a winning record with Kyler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of to that, shout out Josh Dobbs again <laughs> for what he had done with that team to yeah. keep him even remotely afloat. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, Josh Dobbs, destroyer of worlds. Well, and then to an extension of that, what you had meant, shout out to Jonathan Gannon, man. Everyone was making fun of him. Everyone was making memes about him. They were happy he was out of Philadelphia. They said they were going to fire him because of what he did in the Super Bowl, which wasn't his fault. His defensive line couldn't win a single mm-hmm. matchup. Mm-hmm. Everyone was saying he was weird. They hired some random. He's going to be fired. Steve Wilkes, fire him after one year. <laughs> He's done a very good job, in my opinion. If it weren't very for Dan Campbell and if this Cardinals team, you know, ends up with six or seven wins, he's going to be in the running for coach of the year. 100%. Yeah. If they pulled out, you know, a Commanders week one or Giants week two, uh, Ravens, yeah, they would be. If they were 500 right now, I'd give it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he deserves flowers. He deserves chocolates. He deserves a raise, something, for what he has done with this team when he was brought in Spent the whole offseason as the scapegoat, to your point. You know, everything was about how he's just not ready to be a head coach, and he's proving everybody wrong. So I want to shout out to him. Let's talk about the other side of uh, this game. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons a little bit. Sitting at 4-6, and six, this is a team that has a lot of talent, but not looking great. What what does this team need to do to compete? What is, What is the difference maker for this team that they don't have right now? They don't have a quarterback. They really don't. No matter which one it is, both of them suck. <laughs> they still can't get the ball to Kyle Pitts or Drake London. They still barely use Bijan. This was the first game this year that they even gave him a shot. They forgot about Cordell Patterson. They're Joker. <laughs> the whole thing they were putting at the beginning of the season. He's Joker position. Does that mean he sits on the sideline the entire yeah, game? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's what it is. They traded Van Jefferson. They don't use him either. Uh, their defense is good enough, you know, still lacking a pass rush in my mind. But if this offense even does anything, that defense looks better. That defense is much a, better. I think it's a very good defense. If they just had any support from their offense, you know, yeah. you you give them. Especially because Ritter was turning over three, four times a game. Exactly. Of it's course one thing they're going to give up points. It's one thing to only score like 20, 23 points a game, but. 
If you turn over three or four times, it's, I'd rather have you just score 17 and not turn it over. Exactly. Because if you score 17 and not turn it over, that defense is good enough to keep any other team to 16, I believe. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And they need a, a quarterback and they need a new coach. Yeah. Arthur Smith just, he's not it. He was the guy that, at the beginning of this season and in the preseason, I was giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt. Yeah, same. I, I thought he could be a good coach. I thought he had a plan that he was ready to run with the talent that he had. I think he had a good idea of what talent he had. And then watching this season, you realize he has no idea what he has on that offense. He should have just given the play call and used you to someone else. So he focused on the game. Easily. Because, again, to your point, you look at this offense, they have talent. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. They got freaks, dude. Do you give them a Kyle good quarterback? Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan, Tyler Algier. Good veteran slot receiver, Scotty Miller. Janu Smith is a very good number two tight end. Offensive line is good. Mm-hmm. But they can't get it to any of their playmakers. Like, there's no reason why Desmond Ritter can't just be a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Just be a point guard out there. Stow to your guys. Get it to them. Get it to them in space. Near one of their quarterbacks can do that. And Arthur Smith isn't good at scheming them, getting their playmakers in space. Mm. Can't get it to him. There's no reason why Kyle Pitts can only have 25 catches a year. There's no reason Drake London can only have 60 catches a year. There's no reason <clears throat> at all. Both those guys have way too much time. I've seen what those guys can do in this league. It's not like it's it's fake. You know, there's some guys in the league you look and they have a ton of yards, especially like at the tight end position. They have a ton of yards and you're like, yeah, but that's only because he's the safety net of that team. Kyle Pitts is for real. Yeah. Just in case you were wondering, Kyle Pitts is for real. He's an athletic freak, freak of nature, and you don't get him the ball. Kyle, yeah. It it doesn't make any sense. Drake London is maybe not to the same degree as Kyle Pitts, but also a freak of nature. He's a big dude who can move. Pitts and when jump. he had old Matt Ryan at a thousand yards. Exactly. As a rookie. That was washed Matt Ryan, and that team's offensive line wasn't exactly. Great. And they weren't. Yeah, they weren't that good either. They didn't have a run game on those teams, and he was doing that. It. There's no reason this team should be as good. And to your point about Desmond Ritter, how hard is it to just throw to Kyle Pitts for ten yards every drive? Just do it. I don't care if they have him double teamed. Just get it to him. You don't need to be doing anything special. And I think that's part of the issue earlier in the season is he was trying too hard. You know, you don't need to try hard on this offense. No. At all. You're going to have a dominant run game. Exactly. Just You have guys, two guys in your backfield who you could get 15 carries and they can get 100 yards on 15 carries. Easy. But you have to trust them to do that. And when you're Desmond Ritter, there's no reason you should be trusting yourself more than B. John Robinson. There's no reason you should be trusting yourself more than Ty Algier. Give, the, give those guys on your team, the actual real talent of your team, opportunities to prove their talent and you'll look better yeah people will say that you're doing your job look at what's happening with brock purdy in san francisco just do your job he's figured out his role that offense is insane there and he's found his spot in that role to make sure everybody else excels at their jobs that's all you have to do and to some degree desmond ritter is a young quarterback how that's on the coaching staff too if you're putting him into positions that he can't he can't decide whether he should keep it or give it to one of his other players on his offense. That's on you. 
if he doesn't if he isn't getting direct communication from you as the coach for a guy who isn't ready to really be a starting quarterback in this league I don't think he ever really was ready to be a starting quarterback or ever will be ready to be a starting quarterback in this league how how do you, how can you possibly in good conscience let him go out there and just play like that yeah. how are you not giving him any direction I don't know it's it's disgusting. It's humiliating. This team should easily be winning this conference or this division. Easily. Not a single other team besides maybe the Saints are worth competing with. Yeah. And the Saints offense is the most boring thing I've seen on the face other of the Other when famous Jameis is out there, baby. <laughs> even then he's throwing two picks to even yeah. out. You know. I I expected a lot more from this Falcons team that we are not seeing. And it's at the quarterback and the head coach, and I would love to see some change there this offseason. I think we will at both positions. It's just a matter of who fits into that spot then. Who do you find to take over that role? And and we'll see what happens with that. All right, folks, we're a little past 10 o'clock here in Elmhurst, which means it's time for us to clock out. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard tonight, be sure to tune in uh, on Spotify. If you missed any part of our show, it's Blue Jay Boys WRSC. That will be going out right after this show. So check up on the rest of the show there and any of our old episodes. All right, folks, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blue Jay Boys show. You can find us on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram. <laughs>